Okay, welcome to the class. Uh, those on Facebook and also on live stream, thanks for joining us. Uh, this this class is going to be uh, a Pasha Pasha uh, Vayigash, and uh, we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna learn some uh, interesting things. We're gonna be talking about rectifying your midot, your character traits, and um, Joseph. Uh, the story of Joseph is 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 uh, replete with all kinds of lessons, everything from Mashiach to how to deal with family relationships, how to mend relationships, how to test relationships. And in this shiurim, uh, we're going to take a section off of Rabbi uh, Rabbi uh, Wobi's uh, commentary in Chumash, and uh, we're going to be talking about this idea of rectifying your character, how to change and fix your character. Uh, every one of us that are put on this earth have one mission in life, and that is the refinement of our soul, of our neshama, right? And that refinement uh, is often a mystery to us as to how, why Hashem allows certain things to happen the way it does. And the great lesson that we're going to learn today is that Joseph, from the time he was a young man all the way up until this point as well, Joseph had a keen sense of awareness of what was going on in another realm. He understood that God was in control at the highest level. And how do we know that is a very common say in statement that is said when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And they remind him or he reminds them that you didn't put me here. I wasn't sold into slavery and in Egypt for 22 years or in 20 years uh, because of something you've done. This is something that Hashem has done. And that is a great revelation or a, a very deep understanding for any person that wants to rectify and change character traits in them. If we have a, a view of society and the world that we live is that um, everything sort of happens uh, accidentally and things just by chance happen and all of my decisions I make whether good or bad uh, is totally hinges on me all the things that happen to me totally hinges on my relationship with others and in reality everything hinges on what God wants to do in our life and that purpose is to see that our character is transformed the first part of the Parsha opens up with Judah approaching and said, if, it, if you please, my Lord, may your servant speak a word to my ears and let, your, and let not your anger flare up to your servant. For you are like Tyro or Pharaoh. It's an interesting dialogue that's going on here. Very interesting. What is this dialogue? This dialogue is is uh, Judah knowing that he's going to say something that's going to provoke, at this moment he has no idea his brother, but he thinks the viceroy of Egypt, Pharaoh himself, he knows that what he's wanting to tell him could very well create an environment in which they could all be killed or he would have to go to war. According to the Torah anthology that is listed here, uh, this book is a fantastic book to get for your reading. It kind of fills in the gaps with uh, the, the Midrashic uh, commentary. It's said that um, 
Judah was prepared to die or to kill to preserve Benjamin's life. He was very serious about this. So much so that he was prepared to ultimately do what it was going to take, whatever it took, first by prayer, that is asking God to intervene supernaturally so that Benjamin is saved. He's going to, uh, I mean, he's first going to fall on the mercy of, of Joseph and basically say, I, I plead to you that you see this thing work out. Next would be to, to pray about it and ultimately, if it come down to running a spear through the servants of Pharaoh, he was willing to do it. That's pretty profound. So we understand the delicate nature of what was happening with Joseph and his brothers. They had no idea that he was, he was Joseph. Joseph didn't want to reveal himself. Why did he not want to reveal himself right away? Who knows? He wanted to see where their hearts were. He wanted to see where they were at. He wanted to see what their uh, midot, where their character is at. Now, one of the interesting things about character traits uh, we understand that every individual in our life becomes some level of reflection of who we are. And that before we can try to correct ourselves, before we try to correct someone else, we need to correct ourselves. And in this situation, Joseph, knowing that he'd like to reveal himself to his brothers, he doesn't want to embarrass them. He's concerned that if he embarrasses them and they have not changed, what do you think they might do? They might try to kill him. Who knows? He's thinking, well, if they haven't changed in their character traits and I embarrass them in front of my servants, this could just turn out to be a total disaster. Judah, on the other hand, is so focused on trying to change uh, Joseph's mind about releasing Benjamin that he goes in and makes a huge appeal to to. Uh, to uh, Joseph. He says, uh, he says, my Lord has asked his servant saying, have you a father or brother? And we said to my Lord, we have an old father and a young child of his old age. His brother is dead. He alone is left with, uh, with his uh, mother and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me and I will set my eye on him. We said to my Lord, the youth cannot leave his father, for should he leave his father, he will die. So he's making a passionate argument as to why. Look, you're holding Benjamin. If we go back without Benjamin, this is it. It will destroy our father, kill our father. Little did, did, did Judah know that he was pulling on the heartstrings of Joseph. Think about this. How much do you think Joseph loved his father had a tremendous love and respect for his father. And while Judah is making this passion for mercy, Joseph's heart is being ripped out because he's thinking, okay, so far so good, but I for sure don't want to see my father grieve any more than he has to. So he makes this passionate appeal. And let's go into verse 33. It says, Now therefore let your servant remain instead for the youth as a servant of my Lord, and let the youth go up from with his brothers. For how can I go up to my father if the youth is not with me? Least I see the evil that will befall my brother. The Egyptian law at the time, or actually the law in the Mideast, a person that, that steals from another person, uh, the judgment is that you immediately become a servant or a slave to that other person until you pay the debt off. 
they knew what the law was, and they knew that the potential of Benjamin being a slave to a Pharaoh is something that his father couldn't handle. So he was willing for himself to become a slave. He was willing to basically take the hit for his, his little brother, his baby brother. By this point, Joseph's heart is about to explode. Didn't know what to do. It says, now Joseph could not restrain himself in the presence of all who stood before him. So he called out, remove everyone from the room for me. Thus no one remained with them when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He cried in a loud voice. Egypt heard and Pharaoh's household heard. What it mean by this is that said that he, he wept so loud. He, he moaned and wept so loud that all of his servants in his household heard. And it wasn't long before all of Egypt knew that something big was going on with Joseph and these men. And of course later it's revealed that it's his brothers. But it shakes, it shakes the very foundation of the whole nation at this time. He says, And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father alive? But his brothers could not answer him because they were left disconcerned or are left uh, disconcerned before him. What did it mean that they didn't want to make a statement? What do you think was going on? Shock. Total what, the, what our good British friends call totally gobsmacked. <laughs> totally gobsmacked. Completely speechless. Why? He looks like an Egyptian. Wasn't wearing. As a matter of fact, when, when Joseph's two sons come to see his father, uh, Yaakov, what was Yaakov's response? Who are these? Who are these Egyptian boys? That, I mean, they look like Egyptian boys. They weren't dressed in the traditional Hebrew garment. So here, they're, they're absolutely stunned. Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me, if you please. And they came close, and he said, I am Joseph, your brothers. It is me whom you sold into Egypt. And now be not distressed, nor reproach yourself for having sold me, for it was to be a provider that God sent me ahead of you. Uh, Sandy has a great quote that Rav Wobi said this morning. And would you mind telling the group so we can proceed? He said, uh, the remedy always precedes the wound. You get that? The remedy always precedes the wound. The remedy always precedes the wound. That means that regardless of what was happening on the sort of uh, uh, in the weeds level, God had a strategic plan that was already preparing something to be fixed or established. And already, with there being a wound, the remedy was already done. In, in Rob Wobie's Chumash, he says something very interesting under the subtitle in this, in this Chumash called uh, Becoming Clear or Making Things Clear. It says, it's from this scene we get a very interesting insight into what it's going to be when Mashiach comes. You see, the reason why the brothers were so gobsmacked is they were going, having this huge aha moment, right? Huge aha moment. It's like, oh, wait, let's see, his vision, 
our anger, our betrayal, him being a servant slave, 20 years, famine, do what? They were connecting the dots in really quick. Oh my gosh, he's going to kill us. Yeah, of course that's what he's thinking, right? <coughs> but all of a sudden when he says, no, this, this, this was not your doing, this was the hand of Hashem. He put me in place so that we could see that this takes place. Do you realize the highest level of midot or character that this man had? To, to have the moment of revenge against his brothers and choose not to take it. I don't think it was within Joseph's DNA to treat his brothers with any level of vengefulness. I do believe that the things he was doing was testing their character tremendously because he needed to know, are these the same brothers that I had a long time ago or have they also refined their midot? Well, it was very clear that they had also refined their midot during this process. I mean, Judah was prepared to die for Benjamin. And I guarantee you that if you would have asked Joseph 20 years before, he would have said, no, they probably will kill Joseph as well. So some amazing things had taken place. One of the things that, that I've noticed in my years of family and, and marriage counseling is that where a partner or partners in a relationship fail to develop their own midot, their character traits. And so what happens, you have one who begins to refine their character traits and the other one does not refine their character traits. And what happens is a great divide takes place in the relationship because you have two people operating at two completely different paradigms. You have one that's operating at the highest level of integrity, the highest level of consideration, uh, always making sure they're doing things to the, uh, their greatest ability, and you have another person who has no interest at all, has not grown spiritually, has not grown emotionally, and they still act like a 20-year-old when they're 50. Marriages like that don't last. They just don't last. That's why it's important that we have to have major character change. In a moment, we're going to talk about what are those uh, character traits that we learn from the Jewish wisdom that we should focus on. We'll get to that in a moment. So, the pattern that we see with Mashiach is this. When Mashiach comes, as a matter of fact, I'll give you the quote who it's from. It's from um, uh, Rabbi Yerom Chaim Levovitz. And he describes uh, the coming of Mashiach in, in a similar term. He says, when Mashiach arrives, Hashem will proclaim, I am Hashem. And everything will become crystal clear. All of a sudden, all of our questions will be answered. Why do bad things happen to good people? What's the meaning behind all the financial collapse that's taking place in our world and our country? Why all the wars and destruction that's taking place? Why the death? Why the Holocaust? Why are they continuously being attacked by our enemies? And we'll be able to view the entire picture at once. And we'll finally understand that the very things we thought were determinal were actually a source of our redemption. That is a powerful thought. The idea that one day we're going to go, aha. Don't you think it would be much easier to sort of have an aha moment today? Have your aha moment today and say, there's really nothing more important in the world 
than me knowing that the creator of the universe has a plan and it's laid out. And I'm included in that plan. And because of his loving kindness toward me, I know that that plan is going to see that I am able to work through the things that I need to work through. So instead of getting angry over a situation and exploding, you stop and take a breath and say, you know what, this is just a temporary thing. It's not permanent. It's very temporary. As a matter of fact, it's so temporary that probably in a few weeks I'll forget this event even took place. So why don't I just fix my anger issue? Why don't I work on this part of my character that needs to be worked on? And when you realize that Joseph was able to do what he's able to do, spend time in prison, I mean, my goodness, you would have thought that when he got out of prison, he would be looking for somebody else's head to put in a gallows, right? He didn't. He just carried on. He was focused on the mission. What was the mission? And I'm not sure that, that Joseph knew exactly what the mission was going to be. And what am I saying? Up to the point of the famine, he really didn't know exactly what the mission was going to be. He just knew that he had a dream at 17 or 16 years old that he was going to be a ruler. And his brothers were going to come to him during the time of him, his ruling. He had no clue. He just understood there was a bigger picture to contend with. Every one of us sitting in this room today, and those people are watching this video, if you've taken time to look and study through your Hamash and your Torah portion, you will quickly recognize that God has a plan. And He has, he has a summation of the plan. And He's going to carry through this plan. He'll do it with you or without you. Now, if you choose to be a part of Him, because He says that He, uh, he allows us to actually partner with Him in this plan. And what is the partnership benefit? The partnership benefit for every one of us is that during this time, we actually get the big picture. We're not ruffled by the small things. We don't sweat the small things. We actually start changing the little things that are inside of us. So what I want to do is I'm going to go through, I've got a list of character traits that is found in Jewish wisdom. And many of them you're gonna, you've heard of, and you'll, you, they'll sound very familiar to you. And we'll kind of move through the ones that are more familiar and the ones that are less familiar. You can stop me and go, well, can you explain that a little bit more? First of all, uh, the Jewish people have been put at a higher level of expectation, what God expects, how God expects a Jew to live their life. Why? Because they are the representation of Torah and the earth. And I would also, to include, those of the nations who have taken on the yoke of, of Torah and their love for one God. They do not practice avodazara, idolatry. They, too, have to operate at the highest level. So we can't allow ourselves for someone to look at us and go, and you're supposed to be a godly person. All right? Now, you know there are people out there that do that anyway as an excuse, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about not giving them excuse. So first and foremost, the top of the list, recognize that we have a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah. Why is it so important that we know that? So we don't get discouraged in the process. That actually the Creator put those two elements within us. Sometimes when I get frustrated with myself, I turn around and I say, Hashem, you made me like this. I'm just trying to figure out how to deal with it. And I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but I also know that I've just completely made a bad decision based on my Yetzirah. And I know you've put that in there, so whatever I need to do to refine that uh, 
part of me that needs to be refined through what I have discovered? Because what does the Yetzirah do for us? Would you say it in English, or it, I will be lost? Oh, okay, I'm so, that's, thank you. Yetzirah would mean negative or evil inclination. Thank yeah, you. the things that make you want to do things that are like your animal nature, right? I want this, make me happy, don't get in my way, make, uh, if, um, uh, don't embarrass me, if you embarrass me, I'll embarrass you twice, uh, you know, those kinds of things. It's a Yetzirah. I want to eat, I want to drink, I want to have plenty of sex. Eat. The whole nine years, what? Ego, it is, ego. Right. So, knowing that we have a negative inclination and a positive one, that that positive and negative constantly is in, 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 uh, in competition with each other, it is a refinement process. Our negative inclination, our evil inclination, the Yetzirah, is actually to magnify what needs to be improved. Right? So whenever you see something that's driving you, say, okay, okay, what is it that's driving me right now to do a negative thing? You use the magnifying glass and say, that needs to be improved. Makes sense? It's like a magnifying glass. Uh, Derek Eretz, Derek Eretz, meaning the basic, what the, the best way to translate is the, the way of the people, the way that God has planned for his people to walk in the land. Does that make sense? Eretz means land, Derek means to walk, right? Or the way. We must conduct ourselves in a way that does not offend those around us. Judaism requires each of us to behave in a respectable fashion. This is called Derek Eretz. Derek Eretz is respect for elders and teachers and respect for laws of the land in which we live. A person with, a good, with good character traits of, of walking the walk. I think in, in this country we would say walk the walk and talk the talk. Right? That's Derek Eretz. You can't tell me that you have Torah and that you love Hashem if you're stiff-necked and ego-driven and don't like to be told what to do. Have you ever, have you ever been in, in a place of public and someone tell you something to do and you can find something rallying up like, tell me what, how to do this? Now, come on. I know you guys do this and just you don't have to be honest in this room. I'll be the honest one. Not just in public. It's anywhere. <laughs> but to be told what to do by somebody you don't particular you look at them and you go, who are you? Who are you to tell me what to do, right? Do you realize that that is a yetzer hara, that your negative ego, evil inclination that is magnifying a part of your ego that doesn't want to submit to authority? That's huge. You have somebody come up to you and correct you at work, and in, even though you don't say anything, you just kind of get, err. Like you just growl up and you want to you want to do the opposite, but you don't. That is a character trait that is against what we call Derek Eretz, which in which you would say, I need to look at my actions and let that person know that I'm willing to do whatever they say. The hardest th the, the, the hardest thing to do is to do what the Ramahal suggests. I think most of us in this room, I know most of you guys, I think you're pretty good at this. That is, if someone says something that rubs you the wrong way, you're good at pretty much masking it and not letting them know. But deep down inside, you're thinking of all the murderous things that you would like to do to them, right? Uh, not literally murder, but you know, you think of the things like I would right now, if I had the opportunity, I'd stick my thumb in their eye, you know? Uh, but, but you don't do it. 
You don't do it. And that's, a, that's great in your character trait that you don't do it. But the Ramchal says in the path of the just that a person that tries to achieve the level of righteousness in their life, they don't even think of it. Now, I am not there, okay? So I'm telling you right now, I am not there. When someone's, have you ever had a police officer fuss at you? Yeah? It's not fun, is it? No, I cry. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I tried the cry thing. It didn't work. It got me a ticket. <laughs> I was like doing all of this. It just comes, but the last time they didn't give me. Didn't work, right. <laughs> oh, boy. Next, let's look at two concepts. Kedush Hashem and Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem. Kedush Hashem is sanctifying the name of God. Chilul Hashem is the opposite, the desecration of the name of God. Now, what do we mean by that? doesn't mean necessarily that you go out and you say blank so-and-so. I mean, though that in is included. But it's much broader. How is it broader? And it's broader in the sense that, that we do not do things or we intentionally operate our lives knowing that we're under magnifying glass of other people's judgment and how they look at your God and His Torah. And if we are conniving on the job, looking to cut corners, showing up late, uh, not committed to, to uh, the integrity of your work, all of that is a chilul Hashem. It's a negative, speaks negative against heaven. They're going to go, okay, you look, you look like you're all that in a bag of chips, but you're not. And you're a hypocrite. And we don't want to be considered hypocrites. We want to be people that have uh, give a positive deal. So the, the Chilil Hashem is the opposite of doing things that are the right, proper things to do. Uh, having the wrong change given to you that's more than what you're supposed to get and going back and returning it. Uh, having um, uh, an employer never have to tell you that you're, you're always late. I mean, those are the things that when you think that it seems like such petty things and small things, but it doesn't take much. I think Proverbs says that a, uh, the the small fox spoils the vine. Is that Proverbs? Yeah, small. Don't take a little fox and nip at the roots of a, a vineyard and destroy it. Let's uh, look at. Um, acts of kindness. The Hebrew word chesed means kindness. Gimilut chesedim are acts of kindness. The rabbis say that all Jews possess three qualities, rachamim, beishamim, beishamim, and also acts of kindness. So we're talking about mercy um, and being ashamed of our wrong deeds and being constantly engaged in doing acts of kindness. I don't think we should just do acts of kindness with people we like. We should try to do acts of kindness with people we don't like as well. Um, charity is the next one. Are you a charitable person? Do you give? Now, as I remember when I was doing um, emergency, uh, what do you call it, like disaster relief, everybody loved giving all of their trashy clothes and busted out tennis shoes and underwear with holes in them. They'd love to give that. They're always very delighted in giving you their junk. 
And that's why we'd always have to tell. I mean, we would literally have to burn stuff. We just, you couldn't do anything with it. And that's not, that's not charity, folks. That's, that's getting rid of your junk. Now, sure, there can be charitable giving and giving, getting rid of stuff that you don't use. Don't get me wrong. But charity is actually that. You are seeing someone in need and you're doing something about it. Let's look at um, hospitality. Not hostility. Hospitality. <laughs> uh, guests must always be welcome at our table. Uh, particularly on Shabbat and festivals, mitzvah of hospitality also is also great that even when Abraham was visited by God, he ran out to meet his guest. This is when he was circumcised himself, so it was a very painful time, and yet he had high levels of hospitality. This here is the next one is called Bikur Cholim. We must visit friends and, that are sick, people that are in the hospital. Roger has been ill and sick, and at the end of the evening, uh, we're going to uh, have a special prayer for his health. He had a stroke and uh, just been struggling with a lot of issues. And we're glad that you're here tonight. We really are glad that you're here tonight. And God willing, you're going to grow in strength. Jason's been a huge help uh, to help us out and to make contact with Roger. And I really appreciate that. It really means a lot. And that doesn't just include me and Jason. It means all of us need to take, or especially the men, take responsibility to help our brother get back to where he needs to be. It's a very tough time, a very, very tough time. If you've not gone through um, a particularly difficult um, health episode, for example, a stroke or heart attack or cancer or something, you just don't know how, how lonely and damaging it can be. And it's amazing what a kind word can do, a phone call or a visit can do to help bring a person to full health. Just a visit alone. Um, next is, um, uh, I'm going to go through a couple of these real quick. Accompanying uh, the dead, that is, when someone dies to be able to set shovel with a family. It's a great mitzvah. Caring for a bride. Um, this is the big one here. I like this one. Be a divine example. Be a divine example. Just as God was merciful, so should we be merciful. Just as God is generous, so must we be generous. Just as God visits the sick, Abraham, so should we. Just as God comforts mourners, so should we comfort the mourners. Just as God is kind, we must be kind. We should also have a strong character trait that says, that the tzaddikim in my life are very important. Those people that we read and study, and we study the great sages, they're very important. Their opinion about what uh, Judaism says, it's, it's a great thing for us to have as part of our character traits. Love for each other. It's, it's easy to love people you love. Love people you don't necessarily like is a great mitzvah if you can do that. Next is um, avoiding embarrassing another person in public. There's a great story that Rabbi Mizraki says uh, about a great Chacham who said that uh, they came to class to teach a Torah class and somebody had eaten garlic the night before. And so the rabbi was just so offended by the smell that he told the student who had eaten garlic to get up and leave. And one great student who later became a great great rabbi 
got up and walked out. It wasn't him. And then by then, several students got up, and pretty soon the whole class got up and walked out. So someone had come to that student and said, why did you get up and walk out? I mean, I mean why did you uh, have garlic? Don't you know that's offensive? And you were sitting so close to the rabbi? He goes, I didn't, I didn't eat any garlic. I never would do that. He said, I did that because I didn't want the person sitting there that had actually eaten garlic to be embarrassed. And there are plenty of stories. I could go on one story after another in which to avoid having someone in a group become embarrassed or humiliated, you do whatever you can to even maybe take the hit yourself so that someone else doesn't receive embarrassment. That is a, that is a high level. It's, not, it's totally uncommon in our community, in our world that we live. If anything, somebody who probably should be embarrassed is going to make sure someone else gets embarrassed first. That's the society we live in. Can you think of another example of, of what that would be like? How about when you go to the counter and you see somebody go to pay for something and they're just a few cents short of buying the thing? Don't make it uncomfortable for them to sit there and have to fumble through their stuff. Just say, here, I got it, just go. Please don't do that. That's humiliating for a person, especially if you see that it's possible they, they don't have the money to do that. Just pick, I mean, it's a few cents. It's not a big deal. And instead of them having to fumble through other, just pay for it and let them go on. But those are the kinds of small acts of loving kindness that can turn the world around that we live in. Uh, if anybody can think of another one, please let me know. Next, here we go. Lashan, Lashanhara, evil tongue, telling tales, bearing tales, gossip. When someone calls you and says, I don't, I'm... I don't mean to be speaking Lashonhara. <laughs> know that it is. Okay, I'm just telling you. When someone says, this is not Lashonhara, but I need to tell you this, know that it's going to be something they shouldn't be saying. Unless it is to help edify or build a person up, why does it need to be spoken? The, the, the best way that I have found to not speak Lashonhara is keep your mouth shut. Just don't say anything. Just say nothing. Now, it doesn't stop what goes on in your head. You're still going to think some things that you shouldn't be thinking about somebody else. But just don't say it. And the, the more you practice it, the actually easier it becomes to just, just don't say anything. And um, it, it, what's funny is after a while, you'll catch yourself going, uh, you know, you're almost about, just about ready to say it. And... I, I would say the, one of the best ways to do it is to completely cut it at all. Like, don't provide extended commentary on things that doesn't pertain to you. But we are not to listen to it either. We're not to listen to it. That's Correct. Uh, that's, yeah, it's even broader. Right. You're absolutely right. But it's hard when the person you're trying not to listen to is a dear family member or, you know, a dear friend or whatever. That's the hardest part. But I do know what it's like to be around people that you love and you, you know you appreciate and they sit around they're just trashing somebody and you just it's very uncomfortable but the biggest thing is just just don't comment on stuff when you're watching television you don't need to comment on everything you see because believe it or not you could be invoking negative feelings inside of your home just talking about stupid stuff that are on TV. Just turn it off. If you can't watch it without thinking negative things, just turn it off. It's better. Next. Um, Nakama 
is if someone has wronged you, you should try to forgive them and certainly not take revenge. This is so, uh, the Joseph principle. The Torah forbids not only uh, not only revenge, but also bearing a grudge. So not only do I not get revenge, I can't hold a grudge. For an example, A says to B, lend me your pencil. B says no. Next day, B says to A, lend me your pencil. Replies no, because you didn't lend me your pencil yesterday. That is nekama. And uh, A replies, okay, I'll lend you my pencil. I'm not as mean as you are. That's nitira. Mean you bearing a grudge. It's the guy that comes and says, can I borrow your shovel? And you give him the shovel, right? And then you go to his house and you say, hey, look, can I borrow your chainsaw? No, you can't borrow my chainsaw. I don't let anybody use my chainsaw. Well, I let you borrow my shovel. That's bearing a grudge. You just have to take your lumps and walk off. Now we're talking about some serious character traits, right? Uh, returning lost property, that's pretty much a no-brainer. Um, to destroy something that does not need to be destroyed. To destroy something that does not need to be destroyed for your own pleasure. Uh, you're walking down the street, you see a, an old house, no, nobody's living in it. I think I'll break all the windows, it seems fun. Just don't do that, right? Um, cruelty to living creatures. Don't. For, uh, it's forbidden to inflict needless pain to on creatures uh, such as house pets, animals, uh, even insects. Obviously, if you can avoid killing them, you you do that. Are you are you looking at uh, someone with with shaming guilt? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. No, let, let me tell you. If, if in the middle of the night a spider climbs up on my neck, it's probably going to die. Not because I'm, I feel murderous, but it's just your reaction, right? So what's going to happen? Yes, sir. Them big wood roaches. Right. Okay. I got a big gecko tank. Right. So what about if I catch the roach? Instead of killing it, I put it in the gecko tank, and they kill it. Well, the the thing is, is the gecko lives off the no, the gecko lives off the roach, right? Yeah, sure he does. Circle of life. Circle of life. Just hold up the gecko and hum some of They're big. I know. They got some bellies on them. I know. So. Uh, so it's kind of you'll hear Deb all the time. Oh, cool, cool. Gecko tank. I, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, animals need to eat, and that's how they they work. But it's just the point is is have you guys ever let a lizard out of the house and go? Now you need to get outside. You don't belong here. Throw them out the door. Yeah. The other day, I went to pick up a salamander, and I told Melanie, I says, if the thing keeps breaking up in pieces, I'm going to throw out half a lizard. Right? It just every time I touch it, its tail would break off. So anyway, so uh, that's not intentionally harming the animal. I was trying to help it. <laughs> Honoring your parents. That can be a big one. What happens if your parents are... Baptist preachers. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the audio didn't pick that up. Anyway, what if your parents are uh, neglectful, abusive, mean people? Somebody help me. You guys are smart. Oh, really? Does it say? Don't engage in them. Does it say you have to engage with them? 
It means that you honor them. You don't speak Lashon Hara against them. You don't tear them down in public. You don't try to destroy them. But at the same time, if you cannot have a relationship that is healthy with them, cut it off. Just step back. Step back. It's all right. You can, it's much easier to have a respectful relationship at a distance, right? So that's, that's the, the, the truth of that. Um, uh, let's look at, uh, let's see. Um, well, what did I do here? Oh, yeah, I don't even find the one. Here we go. Uh, here's a, a list. Not speaking uh, before them, not embarrassing them, not sitting in their place. This is on the level of a balanced family. Bringing and fetching. Uh, what their parents' needs when applicable, feeding and clothing them, not waking them up when they're asleep. And the Torah promises that one who honors his or her parents will merit a long life. My children, I remember the first time when they realized, oh, so the old man wants me to always go get stuff for them. Like, oh, can you get me some tea? Can you give me the remote? And they were like, well, I don't understand. Why don't you go get it? <laughs> And I said, that's why we gave birth to you, <laughs> to do stuff for us, right? Isn't that how it works? Daniel, you give me that look like, oh, I've heard that before. So the idea, I mean, we're saying that jokingly, but not really. It's like, <laughs> you, 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 yeah, you just, you have children. They're not joking. They're not joking, right? And, and you know, it's funny because I know that, that my sons and daughters will end up doing the same thing with their children. Uh, but that's a part of honoring our parents. And uh, my parents of blessed memory are not here with me. And I am so glad that I was able to honor them the best that I possibly could. I wish that, you know, I spent all those years away because I was in the military and didn't live close to them. I wish I could have been there more. I, mean, I think everyone has some regrets. But I do know that we have fond memories and I have very fond memories of laughing and showing my parents respect. And that's a great thing to do. Uh, not everybody has that opportunity. Next, stand before the elderly. Tom walks in the room and he walks up to the table. I'm not going to sit here at the table. I'm going to stand so that I make sure that I don't look like I'm casually treating my respect for him. And you as well, Miss Betty. You as well. No, absolutely. Uh, now, I've been told by some people not to do that because that makes them feel uncomfortable or odd, and you just don't do it then. Uh, kavod harav, uh, honor a teacher. Uh, do honor, uh, do honor must be given to rabbis and teachers. Children should stand when they enter a room and always show uh, uh, the derech erics or the, the you know the proper path of walking. Uh, it's children today. I don't know. Well, Texas is a little different. But generally, you guys are teachers, right? Are children really taught well about respecting adults and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and those kind of things? Some of them. Some. Depends on the family. Depends on the family, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, like, uh, my kids, they think more respectful. Okay. They say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. So I think the way they, they educate right. the culture, they more respectful. Really? Really? That's that is very interesting. I used to work with the pen. Right. That's they need some help. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, you, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of uh, families of ethnicity 
realize that we have to raise our children this way or they're not going to be successful in, 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 in life. They've got to raise them with a sense of, of bearing and respect. But uh, very, very, very good. Next is emet, truth. One must always tell the truth. One must always love the truth. One must always speak the truth. Very important. Shalom, peace. Having peace in your life is very, very important. What do you do if you don't have peace because of, of your environmental situation? Lack of funds, lack of health. Let's go through the list. What's, give me some other things that you wouldn't have peace. Think of potentially. Conflict. Very good. Conflict. Um, uncertainty about what's going to happen tomorrow. All of these character traits can be refined at the highest level when we understand that God has a purpose in everything that happens in our life. Everything is by the hand of the Creator. When we understand that everything is by the hand of the Creator, how can I not have peace? I mean, I can say, okay, this is temporary. And if you look back over your life, the negative things that have taken place, you now realize it's just a blip on the radar screen of your life. It, 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 it's over with. It may still impact you in your memory, but it's just a blip. It's over with. And you realize there's a bigger picture that we need to examine and look at. My prayer for you and prayer for me is that as we grow in our imuna and our trust in God, that we'll begin to refine our character traits knowing that God has a big plan and that we're all part of that big plan. And that if we would just focus on improving ourselves, we can trust Him to make sure that the end is going to be what the end needs to be. That concludes the Shurim. And anybody have any comments, questions, fears, doubts, unbeliefs?